This morning we get to continue our series through 1 Kings, continuing Solomon's prayer in dedication to the temple. Let's begin by going to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can come together in worship this morning. We ask your blessing upon us. Would you help us to hear the intercession on behalf of your people from their king, and would you sustain our worship as a result? Lord Jesus, grant us this, a a faith-filled heart, filled with joy as we worship you, even as we hear your word. We pray these things in your mighty name, amen. It's been a familiar scene for so many parents during the pandemic, an unexpected office interruption. Maybe on the middle of a Zoom call, a beloved little one comes into the room where you are working remotely, unexpectedly. They get bonus points if they say something extra cute in their interruption like, hi, mommy, hi, daddy. With so many of us forced to work at home, we know this sort of interruption very well, don't we? A very similar scenario played out back in Canada years ago. A little boy stumbled into his father's study and came across a sight that would change him forever. That little boy was D.A. Carson's uh, brother, and he stumbled into his father's study, a faithful pastor doing what pastors do, the hard work of prayer on their knees. He could hear his father praying softly out loud. That was his pattern. And he heard him praying for his sons. This is what D.A. Carson's brother said. While walking away from God, I could not get away from the image of my father on his knees praying for me. It's one of the things that eventually brought me back. There's great power to hearing someone pray for you, isn't there? The prayers of a faithful parent, the prayers of a loving church member, and certainly the prayers of God's people from their king. We come to a point in 1 Kings where King Solomon in all of his glory stands up and prays for God's people. He stands before them and God as their intercessor, offering up a complete prayer that they may be sustained in worship. Last week, we saw the beginnings of this prayer. We saw how central God's promises are to the worship of God amongst his people. But this morning, we turn to the need for intercession, complete intercession. And we'll learn this important truth. Intercession is needed for worship to continue. Intercession is needed for worship to continue. Or you could say it, the flip side of that coin Without prayer, our worship will falter. Without prayer, our worship will falter. We'll pay close attention to the prayers of King Solomon and learn something about how we need prayer for uh, for ourselves and we need to pray for others. And most of all, we need to know of the prayers of King Jesus for his people. Our passage in verses 31 through 53 makes up seven requests that Solomon makes, a a sevenfold intercession of Solomon. 
a sevenfold intercession of Solomon. Now, number seven in the Bible is very significant. Maybe you already know that. Uh, the seven days of creation. You have the, the seven times where Elijah sends his servant to go and look for the rain clouds to come after that long drought. Or what about at the very end of the Bible, that Revelation? The seven spirits of God representing the fullness, the completeness of the Holy Spirit. When you see the number seven in the Bible, you should be thinking, is this an example of completion? It's a little bit like one of those progress bars on the internet. When it fills all the way up to 100%, you know whatever it is, it is complete. King Solomon, at this point in the gathered worship, as the dedication of the temple stands up and begins praying for the people, an intercessory prayer, he is praying on their behalf, and it is a complete prayer. There are seven different requests he makes. We'll look at each of them in turn, but before we do, I just want to note that Solomon didn't just pray off the top of his head. Once again, we see the very word of God guiding the worship of God's people. If you want to do a little Bible study this afternoon, go through Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 and compare them to the seven things that Solomon prays, the seven intercessions, and you will find Solomon is simply praying God's word for God's people. But let's look at each of these seven requests that Solomon makes on behalf of God's people because we need the same sort of prayer for ourselves. First, in verses 31 through 32, he prays for justice in disputes, for justice in disputes. The situation is something of an impossible impasse between two Israelites, Maybe a family dispute that's gone awry. Maybe some sort of a work arrangement that has gone off the rails. Whatever is the result, there's no way to mediate between these two people. In that scenario, Solomon asks that God would pay special attention to these disputes and bring justice. It seems like people were to bring these disputes to the temple and make oaths before God. And then God would sort out who was in the right and who was in the wrong. The one who was righteous would receive favor from the Lord. But the one who was acting in an underhanded, sinful way, even if only God knew, they would receive God's judgment. Now, we're not told exactly how this happened. Maybe God gave special insight to the priests. I think the most likely explanation is that it was the use of the umim and the thumim, the holy dice that the priests had access to, to reveal who was in the right and who the wrong. But, but frankly, it doesn't matter. One way or another, Solomon prays that God's people would find justice in their disputes. And that place for them to find that justice was at the temple itself. The second intercession he makes is in verses 33 through 34. He prays that God's people would find mercy in defeat. That they would find mercy in defeat. Remember, God's people were a nation, and that nation would fight wars. But those wars would not just be a matter of swords and shields. No, the most decisive factor in any of their battles would be sin. Solomon looks forward to a time when God's people enter into a battle only to be defeated because of their sin before the Lord. Did you catch that phrase? 
because they have sinned against you. This introduces what is undoubtedly the most dominant theme throughout all of these intercessions. The sin of God's people that needs to be forgiven and the calamities that ensue as a result of their sin. There's a pattern that begins here that we'll see play out in the other intercessions. He prays for them to realize their sin, to repent of it, and ultimately for God to restore them. In this case, to bring them back to the land of their fathers. Solomon, as the king of Israel, prays that God's people would find mercy even in their military defeats. Third intercession is in verses 35 through 36. He prays for relief in drought. For relief in drought. You can see the fulfillment of this if you jump ahead to 1 Kings 18 to the uh, account of Elijah during the reign of evil King Ahab. At that point, God's people were not under a good king like Solomon. They had been led into idolatry by Ahab and his wicked wife. And as a result, Elijah prays that there would be no rain, and God answers. He judges the people Israel for the wickedness of their king. And for three and a half years, there is no rain. Now, it's a bad thing when there's no rain today. Certainly, it impacts crop, crop yields. Maybe it makes our water bills go up. But for an agrarian society, no rain was a big deal. There's no rain, there's no money, there's no food, and eventually there is no life. And yet there's a lesson that they are supposed to learn. In the midst of the drought, they are supposed to realize that their souls are spiritually parched, and they are supposed to turn back to God, to repent, and to ask him to restore their life. That's exactly what happens in Elijah's case, isn't it? He defeats the prophets of Baal. And as he does so, the people turn back to their God. And after they have returned and repented to God, what happens? Elijah prays and the rain returns. God restores the life and vitality to his people. Solomon here looks forward and prays for those spiritual droughts for the Lord to restore his people. There's a fourth intercession Solomon makes in verses 37 through 40. He asks for rescue in dangers, for rescue in dangers. Now, if you go through that list here, there is more of a catch-all category than any of the others. It's a wide array of difficulties that are coming to God's people. There's mildew, there's plagues, there's pests, there, there's even invading armies. It's anything that happens to God's people. And once again, though, as a result of their sin. But there's a new wrinkle here. In verse 38, Solomon takes his attention off of the corporate only and individualizes his focus for their sin. Look in verse 38 with me. Whatever prayer... Whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people, Israel, each knowing the affliction of his own heart and stretching out his hands toward this house, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways. Solomon 
looks forward and knows it won't just be a matter of the nation staying faithful. The nation is made up of individuals. And those individual Israelites will need forgiveness when their hearts turn astray. He looks forward and he asks God to hear their pleas, to hear their cries for forgiveness from their sins. And in that moment, to restore their joy. He prays for rescue in dangers in 37 through 40. And then in 41 through 43, he doesn't just look inside of Israel. He actually, amazingly, looks outside to the foreigner. He prays for the foreigner to find God's favor, for the foreigner to find God's favor in verses 41 through 43. Sometimes people act as if the Old Testament has nothing but a focus on God's people Israel. As if it was only in the New Testament that God got interested in the other nations and saving people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. But if you've been paying attention to your Bible closely, you'll realize that from the beginning, God had a plan to reach the entire world. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Here Solomon prays for someone who's far off. He calls him in verse 41, a foreigner, not from your people Israel. And yet this person hears something of Israel's God and is drawn to him like a fly to honey. He hears of God's power in the Exodus, of how he led his people out with a mighty hand and outstretched arm and how he was faithful to his promises to his people. He hears of their military victories over their enemies as God promised he would do. He hears of the might of God's people and he is drawn to come and to worship. Solomon asks that that foreigner would find favor when he draws close. Now remember, in that temple that Solomon built, there was a court for such people, a place for the Gentiles, the non-Jews to come and have their prayers heard by Israel's God. Solomon asked that those prayers would be heard and that God, even as he shows favor to this foreigner, that his fame would increase in the nations. It's an amazing thing. Even from your Old Testament, God had a reach and a focus toward the nations, a mission to reach people outside of his people, Israel. The sixth type of intercession Solomon prays is in verses 44 to 45. He turns back to looking at the corporate nature, this time back toward those battles. He prays for victory in God's battles, for victory in God's battles. Now surely Israel will pick some fights that are sinful and frankly they have no business being in. But there are other fights that Israel finds themselves in where God has sent them as his, his instruments of justice and judgment. There are times where Israel's cause in battle are God's causes in battle. And in those times, Solomon asks that God would grant them victory. They're sent by him to represent him. So Solomon prays that God would grant them victory. Now, the final intercession we see in verses 45 through 53 is by far, uh, 46 through 53, is by far the most important of them. 
It is for them to find forgiveness in exile, for them to find forgiveness in exile. It's the, the longest of any of Solomon's intercessions, and it's the most important to the book of First Kings because of this reason. It answers the central questions of this book. Remember, the, the book of First and Second Kings was written while God's people, Israel, were off in a far-off land. After Solomon was gone, the kings that came after him were not up to his level of faithfulness or splendor. They led the people into sin and unfaithfulness. And just as was predicted in the covenant with, that God made with his people, they experienced his judgment, finally culminating in that wicked nation Babylon carrying off all of the remaining Israelites that mattered off into a far-off land. Solomon's temple was burnt down. The walls of Israel were destroyed. God's people's glory and their hope seemingly was dashed. In that far off land, God's people had time to reflect. They were asking questions like this. How did this happen? Where did we go wrong? And most importantly, is there any way for us to get back to where we were. In light of these questions, Solomon's most extended prayer here in his intercession for the people is instructive because it shows the most important aspect of all the needs of God's people. It is for their forgiveness of their sins. You notice how it begins in 40, verse 46? If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin. Solomon doesn't think of it as a vague possibility that the people will be led into sin. He knows the nature of the human heart. He knows sin will undoubtedly be found, and that, that means one day God's judgment will fall upon this people. But in the midst of that, he has hope. Hope that God will be true to his promises. And so in verse 48, look how he prays. If they repent with all their heart and with all their soul and the land of their enemies who carried them captive and pray toward their land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen and the house I have built for your name, then hear in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. King Solomon looks forward to that day where they will be far from God and knows their greatest need is to repent and find forgiveness. God is perfectly capable of restoring the fortunes of his people. He led them out of Egypt in an exodus, and he could do the same thing again if he wants. The most important thing is for their hearts and their souls to be toward God, toward his temple, and for them to turn from their sin and trust God to forgive them and to restore their fortunes. It's a magisterial prayer that Solomon prays for God's people. In some ways, it's a summary of the entire ministry that will happen in the temple, the whole sacrificial system and, and everything that comes afterwards. But as amazing as this prayer is, uh, we have to admit, it's a difficult thing to know how do you apply it to ourselves as Christians. 
How do we who live so much later in a new covenant as followers of a new king, King Jesus, in a new nation, how do we apply these intercessions to ourselves? Let me give you a few things we should not do first. First, it'd be a mistake to run straight from Solomon's prayers to our own situation. We can't take his request for victory in battle and claim it for the nation in which we live, however much we love it. We certainly can't just ignore the fact that we live under a different covenant on the other side of the cross. Now we need to run through the cross of Jesus to have any hope of applying this properly. So let me give you two ways we can do that. First, look at the privileged prayers of God's people, the privileged prayers of God's people. What a privilege it must have been for the people of Israel to hear King Solomon lift them up before the holy God of the whole universe. What comfort they must have found, what confidence they must have drawn from that moment. Brothers and sisters, consider how we draw that same sort of encouragement from the prayers of each other. We are a part of a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are part of the priesthood of all believers, and that means we are called to the sort of intercessory prayer that Solomon was as members of the body of Christ. Ephesians 6.18 says it this way, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Don't you know the great encouragement there is to having God's people pray for you, for hearing someone's intercession on your behalf? I can think of several points in my life where prayers someone lifted up before the Lord in my earshot were something God used for years afterward to keep me following Jesus when things got difficult. One that sticks out to me was at my ordination service over six years ago. There were pastors gathered around me that knew me, brothers that I loved and who had opened my heart to. And one of them laid his hand on me and prayed. This is part of his prayer. He said, Father, we pray for your hand upon Tommy and his calling as a pastor. We ask your blessing upon him, that you would give him great joy as he carries out the ministry of preaching the word of God. We ask that you would work mightily through him, that you would guard him and use him for your glory. There have been many difficult days as a pastor where I have gone back to that moment and remember the intercession on my behalf by those faithful brothers and drawn encouragement knowing their pleas were heard before the very throne of God. Brothers and sisters, what a privilege we have to lift each other up in prayer. This is not just the work of pastors. This is the work for everyone, for us to be a praying church that intercedes on each other's behalf. I love seeing our church pray for each other. I love it when I hear of small groups week after week faithfully lifting each other up before the Lord, lifting up their prayers and their pleas for God to show his blessings to his people. 
I, I love hearing the, of the faithful intercessors that tell me they are praying for our worship each and every Sunday, that God would meet us, that he would grant us by his spirit a sweet, vibrant worship. I'm so pray, thankful for the prayer warriors who pray big, bold prayers for the advance of the kingdom of God, for the gospel to go all around the world, for strongholds to be torn down, and for Jesus' name to be known. I'm so thankful for the quiet accountability partners who pray for us in the midst of our sins and our sorrows, who encourage us to repent, who pray for us to be forgiven, and who ask God to restore us to full fellowship. Brothers and sisters, would you see that God uses your prayers to continue our worship? That without prayer, our worships would cease. But by the prayers of his people, we have confidence that we will keep worshiping on through eternity. Now maybe, frankly, you struggle to see yourself as this sort of intercessory prayer warrior. Uh, if, if that's you, you're not alone. And for some of us, having some strategies to help us remember to take part in this calling is a, a really helpful thing. Let, let me point you to a, a couple things you can do. One, we have these missionary prayer cards. Uh, we have global partners that we are committed to uh, being partners in ministry with over the long term. And they have very graciously helped us to know how we can pray for them. Pick up one of these cards Put it somewhere where you'll see it every day. And maybe just pray one of the things that they have asked us to pray for. In this case, this is for the Foltz family. They want us to pray for wisdom and direction for their national leadership team in Thailand. Uh, I have these on my desk in my office, and I, it helps me to see their faces and be reminded to intercede on their behalf as God's people are called to do. So pick up one of these cards uh, if you're here on a Sunday or you can reach out and ask us to send you one. Another way that you can practice this intercessory prayer, especially if you're here on a Sunday, is to ask people, ask other members of our church, how can I pray for you? You know, it's great to talk about sports and everything happening in each other's lives, but how much better is our fellowship when we get down to that heart level and we just ask, how can I pray for you? Now, need to be sure if you ask that question that you're prepared to follow through. Either write it down or put it in your phone notes app or something so you don't forget. Or, or one thing you can do, if none of those things work, you can pray for them right on the spot. It doesn't have to be long. Just say, can I pray for you for that right now? Brothers and sisters, what a blessing it is to hear God's people praying for each other, to bring each other to the throne of grace in intercessory prayer. As in, if you're not able to gather back with us, let me encourage you, you can take part in this also. One way you can do that is by reaching out to other members of our church through text message or phone calls. Ask that same question, how can I pray for you? All of us are called to intercede with the great privilege of being part of God's people that prays that our worship would continue. As important as that is though, there's an even more important part of intercession. The infinite intercession of Jesus Christ. The infinite intercession of Christ for his people. What a joy it is to hear someone praying on your behalf. 
What joy must have been drawn by the people around King Solomon as they heard his prayers for them? But brothers and sisters, have you ever asked yourself the question, what would happen if you heard King Jesus praying for you? What if you stumbled into his study and heard him lifting you up before the throne of grace? There's a king greater than Solomon here. One who doesn't have any of the problems that Solomon had. Sin and death have no victory over him because he conquered them on the cross. Time and age are no barrier for them because he has been raised to an indestructible life. And that means he can pray for God's people forever. Hebrews 7, 25 put it this, puts it this way. Consequently, he, that is Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus can keep praying day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year without end for God's people. And that guarantees that our worship will continue. Because brothers and sisters, when Jesus prays for something, he gets it. Do you realize that Jesus is praying for you right now, this morning? He knows you by name. You are one of his sheep. He knows the things you struggle with. He knows the trials you're going through, the sins you have fallen into. He knows every need in your life. And he is praying on your behalf. What would it do to your Christian walk if you were to stumble into his study and hear him praying for the very things that trouble you most? How would it change the way you handle conflict with another Christian if you heard him praying that you would love one another? How would it change the way that you endure a trial like a sickness or depression or some sort of despair if you heard him praying that you would be kept safe and secure, kept in his very name? How would it deal, how would it change the way you deal with loneliness? Maybe during this season, loneliness is an especially acute thing. How would it change the way you deal with your loneliness if you heard Jesus praying that he would be with you, that you would be in him, and that you would both be together in the Father, and that we would all be together as the body of Christ? How would it change the way that you witness? Have you heard him praying that the Spirit would grant you the exact words you need to testify to the gospel of Jesus? Have you heard him praying that that person you talked to would come to faith in him that very day? Brothers and sisters, Jesus is praying even when we don't know it, even when our physical ears don't hear it. Jesus is praying and he never stops praying for his people and that means that we will never will never stop worshiping. By far the most central intercession in Solomon's prayer is undoubtedly the central intercession of our better King Jesus. It is his prayer for the forgiveness of sins. Maybe you're hearing this sermon this morning and you're not a Christian. Maybe you think that you've lived a pretty good life. You don't do anything especially bad. 
You know, if Solomon could say, for there's no one who does not sin, how much more could someone like Jesus, who knows everything about each of us, could say that all fall short of the glory of God, that we are all sinners? Now, you may think that your life is pretty good, but if you see your life from the angle that Jesus sees it from, friend, you would see you are in desperate need of someone to deal with your sin problem. The Bible tells us that sin keeps us from entering into God's presence with anything but dread. That sin before a holy God deserves nothing but him, from him but punishment. If you're listening this morning and you're not a Christian, I don't want you one day to meet God and find that to be a fearful, dreadful day. I want you instead to find that final day where all of us will meet God to be a joyous one. And that's only possible if your sins are forgiven by Jesus Christ. Jesus was God's solution for your sin problem. He came and lived a perfect life. He died a substitute death so that our sins could be forgiven. And friend, that means your sins if you would just trust him and turn from all the things you've been trusting and trust him to do what he said he would do to make you right before God now and forever. Friend, if you don't know how to do that, I invite you to come have a conversation with me after the service or, or call the church and ask, how can I put my trust in Jesus? Now for us as believers, we need to know of Christ's intercession for our sins also. Think about what it would do to your resolve to resist sin. If in that moment when you were about to give in, you heard Jesus praying, Father, sanctify them. Sanctify this dear brother or sister in the truth. Maybe you're listening this morning and you feel like you wandered long and far away from God. Maybe you've given in to sins again and again and again, and you're convinced at this point God's patience has run out with you. Maybe you're even beginning to feel that discipline as God's judgment begins to be seen and, and precursors in your life. Things are beginning to get uncomfortable. Friend, maybe you're wondering, is there any way back? How did I get here? Would you remember the pattern of Solomon's prayer? That if you repent, if you reach out to God and ask him to forgive and restore, that you will find his arms wide open. You will find all the grace and forgiveness you need in Jesus Christ. As we sang earlier, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is written on his hands. My name is graven on his heart. And I know while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Brother or sister, even if you feel like a foreigner, far away from the God that you know, you can come back to him today. You can find forgiveness and restoration in Jesus Christ. For all of us as gathered, the gathered people of God this morning, let's remember, when Jesus prays for something, he gets it. 
and Jesus is praying that our worship would continue forever. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for being our faithful intercessor. Thank you that you never grow tired, never grow old, never run out of grace for sinners. Thank you that at the moments when we know we are the most vile, the moments when we know we have failed and that we have sinned before you, at those very moments, your intercession is most effective for us, that you can save us to the uttermost, even today. I pray if there's anyone here who needs to be restored in their joy to you, to, needs to have their conscience cleared and be brought back into full fellowship, I pray that you would allow them to hear Hear your prayers for them. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Forgive them, oh, forgive, they cry. Don't let that ransomed sinner die. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.